Hello and welcome to episode two of the Moldovan Coffee Break, a Europe United and European Network production. My name is Ken Sweeney. And I'm Loredana Prismirano. And in this six-part podcast series, we will be casting a spotlight on the country of Moldova so as to examine what it is like to grow up in the Moldova of 2021. Our aim is to portray Moldova for what it really is, a culture-rich country with a unique past and a hopeful future. So I have been sitting down for a coffee with young Moldovans recently to discuss their thoughts and feelings about their country. The Moldovan coffee break will reveal a vibrant Moldova that is ready to show the rest of the world that they are here. In this episode, we meet Vasil Hargel, a 23-year-old medical student who works part-time in a hospital in Chisinau in the COVID-19 department. Vasile is also working at an online card parts store during the weekends and discusses life in Moldova for a working student. So hi, Loredana, how are you? I'm fine, Ken, and you? Good. It seems to, uh, we're on the roll with this podcast. Did you enjoy the last one? Yes, of course. I think it was a really good introduction. Yeah, I think so. We seem to get some um, great feedback from uh, releasing it just there. Also, of course, to our listeners, if you uh, want to give us some feedback and comments, you can contact us at our email address, which is info at europeanunited.eu. You can also comment on our Facebook page, which is europeanunited.eu. And we are also on Twitter. You can find us at the European Network. I think what we'll do is we'll get straight in, Laura Dana, and we'll talk about a young Moldovan and we'll meet him. His name is Vasily Hargel, isn't that right? Yes, you got it right. And can you tell our listeners a little bit about Vasily and why you decided to meet him for a podcast? I know Vasily quite well. We've been uh, really close friends for almost 15 years now. And um, I'm really impressed by his performance because uh, he's working um, besides studying medicine uh, at university. Like he's a full-time student. He's also working, as we said, during weekends. And then he's also working during weekdays at um, at the hospital. He was doing that before the pandemic as well. But uh, then uh, from uh, summer, he uh, voluntarily moved to the COVID department to help with patients there because they lack um, staff uh, members. Wow. So I was really impressed how he handles everything, how he manages to do such amount of work and he's so motivated always so I thought that he's a really good example that if you commit to something and you really want to do it you can do it yeah I mean it sounds like a lot of hard work on his part generally though students doctors and nurses they have such a hard job because they get so low paid regardless of where they are exactly yes it's a problem here as well mm. okay Laura Donna, so I think we'll go to the interview now um, I also want to let our listeners know that there is some interference in the sound because I think it was a windy day wasn't it there yes it was a really windy day. Yeah, well, you know, it happens all over in Ireland and all around the world anyway. But sure, we did our best with the uh, with the sound quality. So I hope you will bear with us. Now, you did um, start by asking Vasily a question about teachers and their vis- versatility at the moment. Yes, uh, I was wondering if in this context, like the pandemic context, and because our educational system is uh, strongly characterized by the Soviet uh, teaching style, uh, I was wondering if the teachers showed flexibility in adapting their teaching methods right now to the online environment. Okay, Uh, so as a university student, I would like to uh, say that we are uh, doing only 
online classes right now and the teachers and their studying and their studying process of course is different from the beginning uh, when we only started using online plat online platforms uh, so from the beginning there were lessons when we just waited for waited for the teachers to enter the classroom to start to understand themselves how to use these technologies but i would like to say that they are improving and the studying process is close to the real one to the offline one it uh, of course it it has uh, its advantages we're seeing some uh, some stuff that usually we couldn't see uh, the teachers are trying to reach out to every one of us and i think that they are doing a great job even if they are uh, some of them are old they are trying to learn as well as us Uh, and would you say that the current use techniques are effective? Do they contribute to the de- development of uh, practical skills? I think uh, I think it's effective, but it also depends on the stu- students uh, themselves. Uh, I think if you want to learn, you can learn online as well as going to the offline lesson. Okay, so now going back to high school, do you believe that it offers enough room for uh, discovering yourself? And does it offer actually enough guidance in choosing your specialization after graduation? Uh, from what I remember from uh, my high school days, we're, we were learning only basic stuff. And uh, I do not think that uh, they're offering uh, enough guidance. For example, when I was in the 12th grade, so the, the last year in, uh, in high school, I didn't know where I want to go, uh, to stay in Moldova or go abroad. And uh, even my speciality, I didn't know what I would like to become. But now, do you see a radically different way uh, of teaching at at the university level comparing to high school? Is it completely different? Now, most of our teachers are people that were born in uh, Soviet Union and their style is uh, pretty similar. The difference is uh, just that we're older people, we are not children anymore. Uh, but the, the studying process is is almost the same. Would you say that you are developing new skills? Um, I mean, also interpersonal one. Comparing to uh, to the high school, the university is a much uh, bigger platform, and there are much more people. And uh, uh, every day we're having different interactions with them. Of course, uh, besides the usual program that we're studying, there is um, a lot uh, of different things to discover. There's more room for, for improvement and learning new things because um, university teachers are not so sticky as the school ones and it offers you more freedom in your choices and uh, in general in what you're learning and what do you want to learn. There is a tendency in Moldova After the graduation, a vast majority of young people choose to continue their studies at university just for the sake of having a diploma and without any interest in actually pursuing a career in that field. Why do you think students who have no intention to actually study end up having superior uh, studies? And how does this phenomenon affect the quality of studies and the reputation of our universities? Uh, yes, I agree that there is such a tendency. Uh, I believe the first reason and the most important reason for this is that uh, their parents are uh, used to have a diploma at an university. 
uh, most most of the students are attending uh, our universities just to mark a checkbox in their to-do list and um, perhaps uh, some of them uh, believe that uh, during the studying process they would uh, develop an interest in in their uh, study and some someday they would continue and pursue uh, such a career uh, regarding the our universities and their level i think it has a negative effect and we're not developing as much as we could with with students that are devoted and are interested in what in what they are learning we are now witnessing the second wave of a pandemic although it was a bit constant in moldova and as you are working part time in a covid-19 department at a municipal hospital you are fighting it in the front line Nevertheless, surveys show that an important part of the population doubts the existence of the virus and are careless. Why do you think people are so skeptical? The level of uh, the culture and the knowledge in some people that do not believe in COVID-19 is pretty low, I believe. Uh, uh, people do not believe in this pandemic is because they haven't witnessed its uh, results and i think uh, none of their friends or relatives was uh, ill because as soon as you're seeing a patient that suffers from this disease you cannot not believe in the disease and be so reckless in this context do you think that moldovan society is open-minded and ready for a change no i don't believe that uh, we're ready for a change yet Maybe with younger generations uh, some some things will, will change and uh, seeing how our youngsters think and act, perhaps uh, older people will try to change themselves as well. Because I think uh, it, it is possible. Finally, are you planning on leaving Moldova at some point and moving abroad? I would like very much to stay in Moldova and uh, treat the patients that are here. I like my country and... Uh, the way that I feel here, uh, but uh, like many like many other young uh, people that are living in Moldova, a crucial thing is the money. And the opportunities? Or do you think there are enough? No, of course. The, the thing is not only the lack of money, like many other young people that are living in Moldova for a better life and a higher level of life, where they are assured where they have uh, money to feel secure and uh, in general to live in a secure uh, society i understand them and um, in this context i would i would like i would say that i would live as well So that was Vasily Hargel. There seem to be two underlying uh, concepts there we were discussing, obviously education and then the COVID-19. So we'll, we'll start with education, I think. I, I have a question for you and maybe you can help me out. Uh, online classes, is it still the same at the moment? What is the current situation regarding schools and, and third level education in Moldova? Actually, uh, just uh, recently, it was switched to the online education again. It was right. the decision of the special commission. I think it was on Friday. So last week so uh, it w- it is still online now and uh, it's uh, the same for schools and universities so they are closed until uh, mid-march i mean the offline uh, classes i see is it an issue say in terms of broadband and and children getting access to uh, equipment At my, uh, i think it was a recent survey that showed that uh, uh, the majority like 94 percent has 
uh, of uh, children have access to internet. Wow. But like, <laughs> I really doubt those numbers actually, because uh, right. in uh, villages, it's uh, I think it's an issue for sure. The children in a family they need to share devices and. They, the authorities don't really consider that. I mean, I understand that, of course, because of uh, uh, rising cases, uh, they need to go back to online for now. But uh, it's not a possibility for everyone, for sure. It, the situation is definitely better in the cities, of course. Uh, but then uh, we have this wave of uh, parents that are demanding for the classes to go offline and uh, for the commission to cancel its decision. So, I mean, the general thought is that the education online is not so effective. The children don't get as much from it as from uh, offline. Mm -hmm. But I think it's true because they can also, they are not really adapted to the um, uh, online um, education and the way of teaching, yes, and also the teachers as well. I mean, this is a situation that's happening everywhere. Though. Yeah. Because, I mean, even in Ireland, we have a rural situation where children, exactly what you're saying there, kids are not getting access to um, equipment because their parents have to use their laptops or whatever. You know, I'm I'm experiencing that myself. So, I mean, I think it's not it's not just a problem that's uh, endemic to one country. It's it's happening everywhere. Um, but I wanted to just quickly go to the teachers because um, there was a discussion on teachers there and Vasily made a good point um, regarding teachers at the very start. So teachers around the world uh, are having to adapt and how is that going in Moldova is there any kind of feedback about teachers um unions maybe um adapt having trouble adapting to modern online methods I think also because of the um, environment and the crisis, uh, the pressure, the teachers did ha didn't have that much time, you know, to comprehend uh, how to adapt to this and how to use all the features and so on. But it's a good push for uh, digitalization because we need digitalization in education. But on the other side, uh, the teachers also need training, right? And we didn't yeah. have that time to give training to the teachers because it was a um, crisis. Overall, I remember it from my years, they were not really open to um, modernizing their teaching methods. Mm. Even though we got uh, electronic devices as a donation to our high school and so on, they were still um, pushing back a bit, like sticking to the old good methods. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, I think they don't comprehend the power of digitalization. So um, overall, it's not the case in all the schools, you know, because we have some private schools as well, uh, which are really advanced and the teachers are implementing uh, really good high quality teaching methods uh, they are also liberal in the way of uh, teaching people uh, students in the way of allowing them to express themselves uh, but then the public schools uh, in the majority it's not the case unfortunately there is still mm. the conservative uh, way Mm. And the percentage of population that's in college and school at the moment, um, is there numbers on that at the moment? Yes, I think we have uh, like in uh, primary and general secondary education, uh, 334,000 students. 
around that number I enrolled for the 2021 academic year. Uh, and then the number of undergraduates, so the first uh, cycle and the master cycle, uh, there are about 59,000 people enrolled also for the same academic year. Mm. And just in relation to people going to college, Vasily raised a really interesting question, which I think is discussed a lot in houses all across Europe and the world. He said that people going to third level education simply for the sake of it is a negative thing for the country. I have seen that. I've actually you know, seen that in my family. And it certainly is something that I found very strange that people would go to college and not want to continue in the uh, in the subjects that they um, that they studied in, or maybe just not even have an interest at all about being in college. And it's something that they just ended up doing. What are your thoughts on that? Do you find that amongst your friends and colleagues? Yes, unfortunately, I I can still see that phenomenon in Moldova because um, many students, um, many people that I know went to university and chose between a limited uh, range of studies uh, because there is like the idea that only economics, law and medicine and uh, recently IT exists, you know, so they're really limited in what they can choose from if they stay in Moldova and they just go there to have a diploma, to have like the official proof that they have uh, uh, this uh, superior education and that, that's it, you know, they uh, they might have businesses from uh, their families and they'll continue with that or um, just doing something else. <laughs> so just to have a certificate. But like when I went, like my experience, at, because I did my studies abroad, I did them in the Netherlands and it really changed my way of perceiving education because when I was in Moldova in high school, I thought that the institutions, they don't bring much added values for my self-development, you know. I had this right. constant feeling that I'm not learning anything new each day at school and um, how would I um, develop myself at university. I was mm -hmm. struggling to see that. But then I went abroad and this whole new approach uh, of uh, studying uh, and um, like how you self-educate yourself as well, how you inform yourself. Uh, I was really, um, uh, that wasn't really eye-opening experience for me. So I actually understood that uh, uh, in Moldova, they also need to understand the value of education because mm. it's really important. It's fundamental. And uh, right now, um, I think our system does not offer it. So I definitely see the need of reforming the educational system. So people change their perception and do not continue this trend because it's not bringing any progress. And of course, maybe there is an option that the government could probably consider to invest more in apprenticeships. Yes, yes. I think that might be a good uh, idea. Because mm, mm. the practical skills are really needed. So Yeah, and I suppose, I mean, even apprenticeships can include, um, you know, degrees and courses in IT, sorry, in uh, technical colleges as well, mm -hmm. which is, you know, I think it kind of gets, it's kind of the poor, the poor brother of, of <laughs> education toward level, you know, people, I'm not going to a technical college. But uh, yeah, I think it's, it's quite ideal. I mean, certainly countries like Germany do promote the idea of apprenticeships alongside um, standard, um, you know, toward level education. I'd like to move on to uh, just sticking with education, but moving on to uh, what Vasily is studying at the moment, which is a uh, medical training. The standard of 
have medical training in universities and in colleges in Moldova. What's that like? Is it generally high? The general perception is that yes, because many are choosing to uh, pursue a career in uh, medical studies, uh, many um, young people. And uh, generally, yes, the, high, uh, the quality is uh, it's high. But then there is uh, the um, problem of corruption, which brings us ah. to this um, situation when someone with a really low level of knowledge in, like, can also mm. be amongst the uh, graduates. And then it's it compromises, you know, the general uh, yes. image of uh, the institutions. I think that brings us to the point that it's important to motivate the teachers and treat them fairly, mm -hmm. because if they have uh, good salaries, if they have room for self development, if they get training, then they are not they are motivated to continue with teaching students and uh, being fair in uh, grading them uh, and I think this is really important because uh, then you you have the confidence in the system that uh, it uh, only the good ones graduate because they will <laughs> end up treating us you know so it's important their life uh, uh, their lives are in their hands so um, I think uh, the institution needs to get back a bit of belief it uh, lost from the um, citizens uh, because of the corruption again. And of course, it's amazing that Vasily has um, chosen to work in a COVID-19 ward. Uh, very, very brave of him and, um, you know, a really, a really honourable thing to do. Can I ask you um, about the uh, situation with COVID-19 at the moment in Moldova? Are there current st uh, up-to-date statistics on the infection rates there? Actually, the numbers have been increasing recently for the past uh, last weeks. So, uh, as I said, the authorities introduced stricter measures. Right now, we had uh, the theaters open. There could be some concerts until recently until like this Sunday and uh, right now everything is closed I, and um, I think it's also um, uh, the, um, that people <laughs> are tired <laughs> they, it, it seems like they just accepted the fate you know and they just carry on yeah. with their lives because they're like I cannot pause my life because of this pandemic I think it's also the bad communication from the side of authorities mm. so it's not just it's not just in Moldova though. Communication is a, it's a completely new thing for I think most governments across the world with this sort of situation. Yes, of course. And the vaccine has just recently arrived, I believe, in the form of uh, have they actually got a specific type? Uh, yes. So we received a donation uh, from Romania of uh, the AstraZeneca vaccine. It will go to vaccinating uh, the um, uh, medical staff for now, but it it. Uh, we received it quite late <laughs> because like most of the countries um, already started their vaccination program mm. and I am receiving like uh, questions from uh, my friends abroad like how is uh, vaccination pro uh, progress in Moldova and I'm like we didn't start it we didn't have even a vaccine until recently and yeah I think um, it, it's good that we receive such donations but then the, our government did not negotiate uh, properly the actual vaccines that the country will uh, get so then we have a problem on that front as well so 
uncertain. Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, there there are a number. Obviously, there's a lot of different um, options now. You know, I mean, three months ago we had nothing. Now we have like up to five or six. So um, I suppose it's down to your, your own government to make sure that the the approval rates, sorry, the approvals of the vaccines are done, and then it's obviously yes, the big problem is exactly. paying for things. But also getting people to vac uh, to vaccinate, like to to accept vac vaccine, because uh, also mm. Mm, they did not launch a communication campaign until now, uh, so it will be a really big problem. And the longer you, of course, leave something like that, the more um, exactly. you know, conspiracy theories and, and lies brew up about it. You know, people get people get paranoid and they get frustrated and then they start to think, you know, there's a there's a something going there's against them. They've been isolated or singled out not for the vaccine, so they don't want it then. So it's it. Believe me, it's the same across Europe and um, Ireland. It's the same. We have the same, you know, feedback and same kickback, so to speak. I just wanted to end with. This question um, with regards to uh, Vasily, because we're going to be asking this of all of our guests in all of the interviews, is the question is whether they are planning to stay in Moldova or whether they're planning to leave soon. Now, he said that um, because obviously you asked him about, do you, did you see his future in Moldova? And he said that he won't leave the country, but he's not confident that the next generation feels the same. That's a problem, of course, historically, that country's experience. But I was wondering if the current crisis, as in the pandemic, would slow down emigration in the short to medium term from Moldova. I would say because we saw a wave of uh, immigration even uh, during summer. So, uh, of course, the restrictions were relaxed, but uh, there were still seasonal, mm. um, seasonal workers uh, go, uh, going abroad. What I know for a fact is that this pandemic will definitely affect everyone economically as well. And uh, then this would bring the need to somehow make more money to sustain the family again. Yeah. And um, we have a political crisis in Moldova right now, uh, besides the health crisis, uh, which is not uh, encouraging anyone that uh, there would be the perspective of a better, um, um, let's say, period that is about to come. And yes, so of course... It, it, because of the restrictions, again, the travel restrictions, uh, the immigration can slow down. But I think as soon as it will be possible, it will the trend will continue and people will, yes. It will kick off continue. again, yeah. Would Romania be the main country that people would immigrate to in the short term, for short term work? I actually, there is not so much percentage of people that are going in Romania for working. They prefer to go to uh, well-developed countries as, uh, yes, Germany, uh -huh. uh, okay. UK even now. So um, generally they go there, but of course there are people that go in Romania as well. So that might be a solution, I think, for them in short term, of course. Okay, so uh, that was a great interview with Vasily. Thanks very much for taking the time to uh, chat to, to him. And of course, to Vasily as well. Thanks very much for talking to us uh, on the Moldovan Coffee Break. Okay. That's it for us on episode two. We will have episode three coming up. Who is our guest in episode three, uh, Loredana? Our next guest is Alina Tsurkanu. She is a student in the last year of high school. So she's uh, um, uh, also uh, going abroad for her studies afterwards. And uh, we will talk about her civic engagement in Moldova. Right. So she's involved in, in uh, civil society sort of work. 
Yes, exactly. Excellent, excellent. So guys, you can check that out next time. It's coming up very soon. Episode three is on its way. You can find us, of course, on all the major platforms, be they Google, Spotify, Anchor, or we're even on the new Amazon platform as well. So you can check that out. We are also, of course, on our website at EuropeUnited.eu and you can find us on Facebook at EuropeUnited.eu and of course, we are all across Twitter as well. So there's loads of ways to listen and access and download the Moldovan coffee break. My thanks to my co-host, Laurie Dana, for, of course, doing all the hard work and getting all these <laughs> interviews uh, done. Uh, I simply had to just make sure that they sounded with less wind in them. So apologies again today. <laughs> I did my best and uh, I'm sure the interview with Alina is much better. The weather was nicer on that day. So <laughs> Yes, yes, it definitely was. Great. So thank you all for taking a listen to episode two and we will see you very soon in episode three. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you.